If you've ever been through a divorce or seen one happen among your family or your friends, you know the heartache involved. There's grief, anger, blame, self-doubt, shame, fury, and often a deep, deep well of sadness and disappointment. After all, a dream has died, the dream of a life together with a loved one. Would it surprise you to know that God himself has been divorced? Not literally, but that's the image we get in the prophetic books. The image of marriage is a powerful one in both Old and New Testaments. The book of Revelation pictures the church as the new Jerusalem, the bride prepared for the Lamb. Ephesians tells us that human marriage is like the marriage between Christ and his church. The Bible even has a whole book of love songs, the Song of Solomon. These songs don't even mention the Lord, yet are long interpreted as an allegory of the love between God and God's people. But according to the prophets, the marriage between God and God's people goes terribly wrong. Jeremiah 3 laid out the situation in stark terms. Both Israel and Judah, both northern and southern kingdoms, have acted like an adulterous spouse. They found other gods with which to amuse themselves, other things in which to put their trust. God, through the prophet, even says about both northern and southern kingdoms, she saw that for all the adulteries of that faithless one, Israel, I had sent her away with a decree of divorce. Yet her false sister Judah did not fear, but did the same thing. There are gender dynamics in these metaphors to be aware of in these passages. Yes, the marriage metaphor in the Old Testament, God is seen as the aggrieved husband and the people as the unfaithful wife. And yes, we need to be mindful of how so much cruelty can be inspired by a misreading of these texts. But the prophet, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is trying to get a point of cross to a group of powerful men who have been unable to understand their own infidelity in any other way. They've been unfaithful to God. They've broken the covenant. They put their trust in alliances they could form with other superpowers, like with Egypt, or in the temple itself, rather than in the Lord. With the destruction of both kingdoms of Israel and Judah, what happened was like a divorce. An utter, complete break between God and God's people. But what happens after the break? Despite all the pain, all the fury, the heartbreak, God does not give up on God's people. There will be a new covenant, a new marriage, a new relationship, a covenant where Sunday school confirmation and preaching are no longer necessary. Where I am out of a job because everyone knows God and God's will for them. Where Moses' dream, when he said, 
Would that all the Lord's people were prophets and that his spirit would rest on them, comes true, comes to fulfillment. In this oracle of hope in Jeremiah 31, God assures us that these things will come true. They will come to fulfillment. They shall all know me, God says through Jeremiah. From the most learned professor in theology or Bible or church history to the most pure in heart baby will know the Lord fully, completely, intimately. Exodus tells us that Moses spoke to God face to face as friends speak. When this covenant comes to completion, I imagine it would be like that. And in Jesus Christ, this new covenant is sealed. The marriage between God and God's people is renewed, not just with God's first love, Israel, but also with Gentiles like us. We have an odd gospel reading today in which we hear of some Greeks who wanted to see Jesus. This is the sign that Jesus is waiting for. This is his cue that his hour has come. The time has come for his glorification on the cross to be lifted up like the snake in the wilderness. From there, he will draw all people to himself. Even after the break, there is hope. There is more to the story, more to God's goodness. A new covenant, a fresh start, a new beginning with people like you and me.